Funny Books with Aaron and Polly and their amazing friends. I'm Aaron. I'm Polly. I'm Bitch Wayne. <laughs> this this be Jonathan. And this is Tim. You know, Bitch Wayne has a much huskier voice than I was prepared for. So, <laughs> <laughs> Bitch Wayne apparently is a chain smoker. <laughs> <laughs> It's model one. It's a uh, it's a confusing process. Might be I... for a refreshed bitch Wayne. <laughs> Reset that clone. Uh, am I bitch Wayne? That's a little closer to the voice I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, there's bitch Wayne, and then there's Wayne's bitch, and I, I think we're talking about two <laughs> different things yeah, here. It's easy to get those confused. So I, I heard there's a couple birthday boys on the call. What? Yeah, Aaron's birthday is this weekend, and I, if I remember right, Wayne's celebrating a birthday on Monday. So by the time this comes out, we'll have two birthdays. Look at us. Wow. Holy shit. It's your birthday? I think, I think Tim's stalking us, Aaron. I, a little bit. That was a little uncomfortable. I'd like to thank <laughs> but, Yahoo and Twitter for my knowledge. But that does, does beg the question, when's my gift getting here, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> you call it out. You know, you got to observe now. So there you go. Wow, look at that. So, I've actually already got my birthday gift for my wife. Oh, she yeah. This, she got me this RC tank that transforms into a boat as well that uh-huh. has, a BB, has a BB gun built into it. So I'm driving this thing around, hitting the shoot button, and it's firing like a BB machine gun out at things. Man, you have a very long, drawn-out euphemism for blowjobs. <laughs> I was about to say, it's either that or, or Wayne turned 14 to this Monday. <laughs> I so, thought it sounded cool. So, are you terrorizing the cats with it? Not yet. Oh, poor kitties. Well, the, the good news is, is that if you take one down with the BB gun turret, you've got like six spares. So, I have even more animals in my house right now. We uh, we're <laughs> dog sitting, so we've got three dogs and two cats right now. That's hard, hard, hard. <laughs> I, my wife actually, since we're talking about cats. Brought a new cat into our home last Monday. So now I have three cats in my house. And uh, it's uh, it's it's rough living, let me tell you. <laughs> now, now, now I have four living beings in this house that choose to ignore me. But I, 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 b- before we go there, I, well, we're not even going there. But anyway, <laughs> when is your birthday, Aaron? Uh, my birthday is August 28th. Look at that. Yeah. I'm a Virgo. Oh, you're a, a, a Virgo. Yeah. I enjoy long walks on the beach and uh, uh, turn-ons or comics and uh, slow dancing. Turn-offs, mean people. And clowns. <laughs> Man, you record with the wrong group of people if your turn-offs are mean people. <laughs> so, I know what I'm going to get you, Aaron. Uh-oh. Yup. <laughs> you know the blowjob was nice last year paul but uh really you know yeah. a car well, been fine <laughs> uh well in addition to that <laughs> earlier this week i was at target as a as a big dude a bigger dude you know i i i find myself liking 
places like Target to pick up T-shirts and polo shirts and stuff like that because they carry shirts in fat guy sizes. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, you know, I, I go, I get my double XL there, and you know, I pay the two dollars extra or whatever the fuck it is. And um, let me tell you, Target has a whole row of comic book T-shirts that go from small to single XL. Shit ain't right, man. It, what type of world do we live in where Target? Doesn't carry double XL. I, you know I, I, that stuff drives me crazy. It's done to taunt us. They know that the people <laughs> that really want those clothes generally wear two X or higher. So yeah. they they intentionally buy only up to one X. It's a Wolverine shirt and a medium. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of uh, T-shirts, one of my uh, listeners sent me a T-shirt as a gift, and it. Uh, it's the uh, Guitar Hero logo. Uh-huh. Uh, only, you know, it's parodied to be Skin Flute Hero. <laughs> and and st- instead of the guitar sticking up out of the top, it's a, it's a guitar-like penis. Nice. Awesome. <laughs> I'm wearing it right now. <laughs> so does, like, the, ele- the, the electric fake crowd, like, cheer for you when you wear it, too, Jonathan? Because that would be cool. <laughs> I, uh... So, uh, lots of love to uh, HP Lustcraft. Very nice. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm guessing that game is only available on the Wii. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, Paul, what, what I think is balls is, you know, you go to you go to Target, and there are other stores that do this, and you're buying your two XL, and they're going to charge you two dollars more for it, you know, and. Mm-hmm. What I think they ought to do is they, they either ought to, you know, average the price out across all the shirts, or there should be a price difference between a small and a medium, and a medium and a large, and a large and an extra extra large. I mean, it should there should be the difference. It shouldn't be oh fatty, we're going to charge you a little bit more. Yeah, is there that much more cotton that goes into that freaking shirt? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just it's frustrating to me because you know I mean I'm I'm I like to stay fashionable I don't you know it's not like I walk around every day wearing a, wearing my freaking Captain America shirt and a pair of plaid shorts or something like that you know I, I like to wear decent clothing and I find that further and further more and more I am finding that I can't find double XL some places even in well, shirts that are meant to be worn by fat people like me. Well, it, things are a lot better now than they used to be, um, and it, you know, it was it was the uh, the clothing companies who who pushed the uh, thin movement to yeah. save money. So and there's something to be said there. I just feel like Target saying, "Hey, you want to wear this Wolverine shirt? Do a thousand sit-ups, then you can wear it." <laughs> <laughs> Eat a salad, lat fat ass. Yeah, that yeah, if it were made out of spandex, that would be completely acceptable. <laughs> but spandex that is was, a privilege. That wasn't the only frustration I had this week, though. In no. fact, that was a relatively small frustration in relation to the other frustration I had this week. Sexual. Besides that one. Okay, so my third frustration, then, was I went to my comic shop this week. And on my pull list was Batman Streets of Gotham number 15. Yes. Okay, now Streets of Gotham number 14 was the first part of a storyline called The Heart, the House of Hush. 
Okay. So, you know, they um, they had the original Hush storyline. That was, you know, big blockbuster thing, Jeff Loeb, Jim Lee. Then they had a sequel called Heart of Hush. And then the third part was going to be called House of Hush. So, you know, last month I was kind of pissed. And I don't remember if I talked about this on the cast or not. Because, you know, cover, House of Hush, part one. And it turned out that only 10 pages of the comic book were House of Hush. And then they had an extended co-feature featuring Two-Face that I didn't give a shit about. So this week, I go to the comic shop, you know, and I pick up Streets of Gotham number 15, you know, and uh, covers by the same artist, you know, as normal, as the House of Hush storyline. But, you know, before I purchase it, I look at the creative team. And I realize that Paul Dini and Dustin Wen, who are the creative team for House of Hush, are not on the cover. And I flip through the book, and it's not issue two of House of Hush. You know, so I came home, I went online, DC Solicits, DC's website is still promoting this as the second issue of House of Hush. The cover is by the usual artist. The book is still $3.99 for essentially what's an extended co-feature. And so basically DC Comics is lying to its fans. It's trying to intentionally mislead its fans to pay three ninety nine for a regular sized book. Not not even the book that people want to buy. It's just an extended co feature. And and they're and it's you know, it's all done entirely dishonestly. And it's so frustrating to me. This is the second time they've pulled it on that series. So did you buy the book? I did not. I put it back on the shelf. And, you know, on their website, it's kind of funny. If you look at DC Comics' website, it shows this month's issue 15 as, um, you know, uh, House of Hush Part 2. Then they show next month as House of Hush Part 3. Then they show the following month, October, as House of Hush Part 4. And then in November, the the solicit for November shows House of Hush Part 2 again. So I'm guessing we're going to get three issues of extended co-feature before we get to House of Hush Part 2. And not only that, they're still charging $3.99, even though it's not a full book with a co-feature. So are you out for this storyline? You're going to wait for the next uh, Hush storyline, Hush Puppies? (laughs) Hush Puppies. (laughs) How long have you been saving that one, Jonathan? Oh, I'm like, come on, Paul, take a breath. Yeah, come on, breathe. I don't know. I don't know. You know, even when it comes back, I don't know if I'm going to pick it up because I'm that pissed off about it. You know, it's, I think it's dishonest. Um, you know, and the fact that, you know, it's 2010, you know, in 1984, I could understand how no one would know that something changed until they picked up a book and realized it was a fill in issue. But even then there would be an editor's note on the front page. This one, there's no editor's note. There's nothing on the website. And the cover is by the same artist to fool people into buying the book anyway. You know what they're trying to say, Paul? That people who read Batman Streets of Gotham are dumbasses, so they'll never notice. (laughs) Basically. But I noticed. I am not that dumbass. It just really angered me. Everybody gets a little lucky sometimes. (laughs) Clock is right twice a day. Unless it's military time. So let's go beyond that. Let's go beyond Batman Streets of Gotham. Let's go to a book that didn't make me as angry. <laughs> hold on, hold on. We we got to take a step. Jonathan, that's the best damn transition you've ever had. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Tim couldn't let it go without Rody if I pointed it out. 
<laughs> it's because it was awesome. But <laughs> we have to take a moment, like a moment of silence, to, for, for uh, Jonathan's uh, graduation into transition one hundred and two. Yep. Let's take that moment of silence that Aaron can edit out. All right. We're good. <laughs> so, Batman Beyond three came out this week, and Tim has no opinion on it whatsoever. But Wayne might. Wayne, what did you think of Batman Beyond number three? I think they keep mucking around in the Batman Beyond universe without actually giving us a good Batman Beyond story. I'm still disappointed with this series. But you know what's frustrating to me? I'm still angry, I guess. Maybe we'll eventually get on a book that didn't make me angry. Um, It's not a good story, but then they end it with a cliffhanger that is intriguing enough to make me want to pick up issue four. I enjoyed that they brought in Dick Grayson and uh, and Tim Drake to this one, too, and they called back to that Batman Beyond Return of the Joker that I like so much. Mm-hmm. It's like this issue, it seemed like how many times can we throw things at you that you've seen before in the TV show to remind you that, hey, we're connected to the TV show. Oh, he can shut down the suit when he gets mad. Okay, we'll throw that in. Oh, we'll throw a reference into uh, Return of the Joker. But – you know, for every reference they throw in, they get everything else entirely wrong. You know, if this book takes place after Return of the Joker, you know, Return of the Joker, Batman had fully accepted, or Bruce Wayne had fully accepted Terry McGinnis as Batman. Yeah. You know, yet in this, he's still giving him a hard time. And in the middle of a fight, even though Terry's getting his ass kicked, and, you know, he can hear that, Bruce Wayne says, you know what? I'm going to turn off your suit because you're not answering me. Yeah, Seriously, and why the hell? Help? Why the hell does McGinnis just take it from him when he and say that you know he screwed up for Calendar Man being dead and for Hush getting away when all he needs to say is yeah they got away because you turned off the suit. Of yeah, course he, he was getting beat up anyway, but still he's he can legitimately blame that on Bruce Wayne. You know it's like the feel is so wrong, but then you know they throw that cliffhanger with Dick Grayson coming into the Batman Beyond universe. You know this is his first appearance. They've mentioned him, but we've never seen him. And I'm like, damn it! Now I want to see the next issue because I want to see what Dick Grayson is like in the Batman Beyond universe. You know, it's it's like they they kept me funny because you're sitting there and Bruce Wayne was Batman for you know how many. You know how many decades, and now listening to a Monday morning quarterback, the new guy, it's pretty funny. He would be a crotchety old bastard about it too. Like you didn't throw that bad ring at high enough RPM. Da 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 da. You know why is it old bastard is acceptable? This isn't crotchety old bastard. This is, you know, I don't trust you, and I'm building an army of robots to back you up. It yeah, it doesn't fit in with. The story, you know, with the, what, the progression we saw in Batman Beyond, if this truly takes place after Return of the Joker, I just, I, you know, I'm, I'm disappointed in the story, but, I, you know, it's just, it's, I don't know, you know, I mean, I, I like the idea, I like the universe, but the writing is just kind of piss poor, to be honest with you. Who's doing the writing on it, on the ongoing? Adam Beechin. And was it Paul Cornell who did the... Who did the annual, or was it uh, Paul Levitz? I can't remember. It was actually Levitz. Levitz. I wish they had gotten him to do this, because that guy can write. Yeah. That guy respected the source material. You know, the book just is not amazing, and it needs to be amazing. Like Spider-Man. But we're not on Spider-Man yet. Good try, though. (laughs) (laughs) 
but before we get to Amazing Spider-Man, Aaron some book read. that Aaron read that no one else cares about. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, Wildstorm released uh, Ides of Blood number one this week. Uh, it is a creator-owned book by Stuart Paul and Christian Duce. And I was uh, kind of intrigued by it. The, the premise is that Caesar comes back from uh, conquering the barbarian lands and brings back vampires with him. And so, you know, vampires in ancient Rome. And I was, I was kind of intrigued by it, thinking, you know, historical setting, vampires, Romans. What's not to love? And uh, vampires wait, wait. is Duce spelled D O U C A G. Yeah, I go to Aaron for all things Duce. D U C E. Ah, all right. Go ahead. Um. Anyway, uh, this book sucked. I hated this book. I hated the writing on it. I hated the artwork on it. The writing is very modern. You know, I don't expect to see uh, uh, Romans using the word "wow." It just it was very, you know, casual in the, in the in the in the the language and the the conversation between the characters. The coloring, you know, they were trying to you know blood red skies that kind of thing, but the the coloring and the inks were rather muddy, and just didn't do a very good job of making the the images work and flow. In fact, every page looks like every other page really strongly disliked this book. I was very disappointed. So, anyway, big fail, Ides of Blood. Ides so of it wasn't amazing? No, nothing at all. It wasn't amazing at all like a certain arachnid superhero might be. Oh, Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> so Amazing Spider-Man 640 came out this week. Um, the third part of the One Moment in Time storyline. And Wayne and I are still the only ones reading it. And um, I'm still loving the storyline. Uh, there, there were some interesting things done in this book that I wanted to talk about. But, uh, Wayne, what would you think of it? This is still one of my favorite books every week. I, I've been yelling for so long about it. I wanted a good Spider-Man book. And even though this is connected to uh, you know, to One More Day and all of that, it still is really good. I'm mm-hmm. really enjoying. It. I mean, I wish they didn't do the whole Mephisto change the universe thing, but the story they're telling to explain how that all came about is really good. I'm I'm still just shocked. Yeah, and you know, that's one of the things I wanted to talk about is the way they're telling the story. You know, Spider-Man, you know, Mephisto changed reality. So they're trying to explain how this universe works. So um, after Peter Parker still revealed his identity to the world, and you know Aunt May was still shot, but her life, you know, he saved her life in the hospital. But because Mary Jane, there's an attempt on Mary Jane's life in this book um, by the Kingpin, he goes to Doctor Strange and says, "I really need you to help me erase everyone's memory of my identity." And Doctor Strange says, "Well, let me think about it." And he goes to Tony Stark and. Um, Mr. Fantastic and says, you know, this is your fault anyway. What do you think? So it's, you know, it's kind of one of those things that, you know, I, I, I like this so much better than what they did in Brand New Day. Yeah. Why couldn't they have done this originally? I mean, if they would have if they would have de- dealt with the Spider-Man's identity being public this way, which is what I thought they were going to do to begin with, it would have come out much better. This story, I think, would be better if 
Peter and Mary Jane were still married, but it's still really good as it is. And some of this is just logically making sense. After Kingpin gets beat down in the middle of the courtyard, why wouldn't he send assassins after Mary Jane's aunt and after Mary Jane and everyone else even remotely connected to Peter Parker? I mean, it makes sense, unlike what we actually got. Yeah, and it's I think Brand New Day was written... You know, it was written by J. Michael Straczynski, but even he said his story was changed so much by Joe Casada. You know that that you know he, he, you know that's one of the reasons he stopped working for Marvel. Um, you know, so I, I think Brand New Day was written from this editorial standpoint of, you know, we need to get rid of Mary Jane as his wife. You know, whereas this is more written from a standpoint of Mary Jane's in his life. Let's tell a good story and make it make sense. Unlike Brand New Day. You know, and, and it works so much better. Yeah, I mean, with Brand New Day, I never imagined that Peter and Mary Jane were together this long. That this is, they only broke apart after Civil War, after all of these events. They haven't been apart that long. With Brand New Day, you kind of got the impression that it, it had been a while. Yeah, you know, and they even hinted that it had been like almost since their marriage. So, you know, it almost doesn't even flow with the, you know, the the brand new day storylines. I think they're retconning their retcon because fans were angry. I think so too. But you know what? I, I, I skipped a lot of brand new day. You know, I, there were some decent storylines in there, but nothing quite on par with this or grim hunt, which was the storyline right before it. Yeah. And my biggest complaint with a lot of the Spider-Man books has been their art. Well, besides the story <laughs> and I am loving the art in this book. I mean, that is one thing I, you know, it's beautiful, crisp superhero art, and we haven't seen that in Spider-Man in the last two story arcs. Yeah, so I think next week is the final issue of uh, One Moment in Time, and I'm, I'm I'm excited. I'm really excited to see how it wraps up, and you know how it's going to change the uh, you know the world of Spider-Man going forward. It almost hurts me to say that I'm enjoying this book, knowing Joe Quesada is the writer. Yeah, it, it does a little bit, considering he's the one who effed it up in the first place. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, like we said earlier, <laughs> a clock can be right twice a day, too. So, another universe that's in for some big changes is the Hulk universe, with um, the conclusion of World War Hulk's Hulk number 24. I know Jonathan has something to say about this. Well, first of all, no dead hulks. Let's get that out of the way. So it's a winner? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, now, one. Uh, let's start with the positives. The book w- looked great. Am, am I wrong about that, Paul? No, I agree. This was a beautiful book. And, you know, better Ed McGinnis art than I've seen on this title in a long time. Tim, do you agree? Oh, no, it was very pretty. Mm-hmm. I love the art. I also enjoyed the writing, but I have enjoyed the writing on Hulk as opposed to Incredible Hulk. I mean, since since I picked up both titles last June, or was it last July? So, uh, you know, it, it had that same style, a lot of internal dialogue, and I really love that about this book. Yeah, now, let I me thought, go back to No Dead Hulks. 
thought it was very cool to have the dueling red and green box internal dialogue throughout the book, mm-hmm. throughout that fight. I thought that was kind of unique, and I, I thought it was cool. It actually reminds me, Jeff Loeb you know, used to write Superman, Batman, which also had art by Ed McGinnis. Very similar feel you know with the dueling uh you know the 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 dialogue boxes that kind of conflicted with each other and stuff like that so i i enjoyed that aspect as well did jeff Loeb write the uh the supergirl storyline uh, the one from superman batman yes okay i re- i actually read that trade look at you just branching wow. out all right so no dead hulks no dead hulks and uh my last issue of Hulk and Incredible Hulk. I'm dropping them. I've, I was like, World War Hulk's big waste of time. It should have been Return of the Hulk because that that's what happened here. This is what this was all about was the Return of the Hulk. So, Jonathan, I was right to stay out of it? You were. You were right. Wow. See, and I disagree. This the, the World War Hulk storyline has actually convinced me to pick up Incredible Hulk and Hulk ongoing. Paul, you've never been more wrong in your entire life. Ever, but Paul. It's, it's a good Ever. story. So none of the Hulks died. Yeah, I get that. None of the Hulks died. And it's kind of frustrating to get to the end of the book. And Jeff Loeb writes this whole little essay about, you know, I told the story I wanted to tell. This is the end of the Red Hulk saga. Next month. Red Hulk number twenty five, <laughs> you know. And not only that, yeah. Not only that, he's. It looks like he's joining an Avengers team because Steve. Are Rogers, you kidding me? Oh, Red God, Hulk no. is joining an Avengers team. Yes, the Avengers. Hey, I am right, so now, glad I dropped in the Avengers books. Okay, now hold on, hold on, because that's one part I liked about <laughs> the book. All right, <laughs> because all right, like. And we'll get we'll get there when we talk start talking about Secret Avengers, but that's that's where Red Hulk that's where Red Hulk belongs, if you ask me. Like that's the team he should be on. Not instead, it's like he's this one man Thunderbolt. Why well, he is Thunderbolt Ross? Yeah, besides I was about to say, that, he is, yeah. <laughs> he is the one man Thunderbolt. <laughs> besides that, you know, like basically, basically at the at the end of this book. The Red Hulk is imprisoned by Bruce Banner, and Bruce Banner and Steve Rogers are going to him, and they're they're going they want to use him to get things done. I'm just like, why don't they just put him on the Secret Avengers? And then, but of course they can't do that because then this book might end. No, I'd be okay if they I'd be okay if they put him on the Secret Avengers, Jonathan. They're going to put him on the Avengers with no. Iron Man and Thor. Yeah, they are. And so now I get the joy of seeing J- uh, John Romita Jr. draw Red Hulk like a fucking tomato on Veggie Tales. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's 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 a very valid point, Tim. That's the uh, quote of the week, Tim. <laughs> you know, and 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 also uh, Paul and Tim, we should talk about the return of the Hulk. Because he's not the Hulk that we might remember. That's true. And that's something that kind of confused me a little bit. Because an Incredible Hulk – an Incredible Hulk was like, I guess, just one big fight sequence. But Hulk number 24, it's it's the Banner Hulk. It's Smart Hulk again. Um, yet he can still change back to Bruce Banner. So it, it's kind of uh, – and I don't know if we've ever seen that before. We've seen Smart Hulk, but I don't know if we've ever seen Smart Hulk that can change back to Banner at will. 
Yeah, um, he's he's a he's a fully in control Hulk. Yeah. So I actually like that idea. Um, you know, and when we wow. when we uh, on our funny books after hours, that was one of the things that I um, I had actually mentioned as far as you know what would uh, what would our ideal Avengers team be. And, and I said, you know, a, a Banner Hulk, you know, a Hulk that keeps the smarts of Bruce Banner, you know. And so I, I like that idea. And I'm actually – that's one of the reasons I'm sticking with it is because I I like – I prefer Smart Hulk to Dumb Hulk. Well, now I'm suddenly interested after hearing that. How many other Hulks are in the book though? Yeah. Hulk baby. <laughs> Teen well, Hulk. Yeah. You've got She-Hulk yeah. she yeah. shows up just long enough to uh, take a pot shot at Betty Ross. That was awesome. Way to go, well, Super. Which uh, which She Hulk are you talking about? Considering <laughs> sensational She Hulk, you've got three She Hulks, you've got uh, a bomb, uh, and then you've got red and green manly Hulk, and then there's Lady and, Dead Hulk, <laughs> and there's there is Scar, son of Hulk. Oh yeah, um, that's right. Can't forget about him. So I mean, there's like seven of them, and 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 Nelson, cousin of Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> But I just I, – I, I thought this World War Hulk storyline was well-written. And, you know, one of the things that bugged us about – you know, that bugs us about, like, Blackest Night, right, is that no one died. Okay, and, you know, it's like, well, why why did they tell the story? Because no one died. In fact, people were brought back to life. Well, no, the Asian yeah. girl died in Blackest Night. That's true. That's yeah. true. Firestorm's girlfriend or whatever. Yeah, whatever the uh, hell her but, name you know, was. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid Asian girl. <laughs> Stupid dead Asian girl. That's right. Um, but World War Hulks, you know, no one died. But at the same, you know, but it was well written, unlike the ending of Blackest Night. You know, I was disappointed with the end of World War Hulks just because no one died. But that's the whole reason I was reading it, Paul. See, like, but that's I was... not why I was reading. You know, I I didn't read it to think. You know, I, they're going to kill everyone except Green Hulk. You know, that's one of the things that bugged us about some of that, like um, like Siege and stuff like that. You know, it's like if. You know, some of those felt like let's have this big blockbuster storyline just to get everything back to status quo, and this is a big blockbuster storyline that doesn't bring everything back to the generic status quo that we're used to. It's still there are still changes in the Hulk universe, and I, I liked that about it. Yeah, but it's, Paul, even you have to admit that they st- they do have to prune a little bit from the tree for God's sakes. It's kind of ridiculous. No, I agree, and I, I I think the the pruning needs to come somewhere in the She Hulk area. There are three She Hulks. I think that's a bit much. Oh yeah, take it out on the ladies, Paul. Yeah. Well, it's... I mean, Jen Jen Walters doesn't do anything anyway, uh, and I think Lyra will fade away after this storyline. So it's really just Betty that becomes an issue. Um, I don't I don't want to get rid of all of them, but I think having three She Hulks is a bit much. So you know, I wasn't tuned in to any of these books, particularly the, the, the ones affecting the the uh, Lady Hulks, are Betty and Bruce at odds with each other? Are they friendly? What what up? A little bit of both. She was brainwashed by the intelligentsia. Because she, she is the red She-Hulk. Right. Um, but at the same time, at the, as we neared the end of World War Hulk, she kind of joined their side. But she's still angry because, you know, she's a Hulk. Uh, it's just not good, man. It's just not good. I look. I dug it. I really. I, I actually really dug it. And like I said, it convinced me to stick with Incredible Hulk um, and Hulk, and even though I've professed my hate for the Red Hulk as a character. 
I've enjoyed this storyline enough and I'm interested in the status quo going forward, then I'm, I'm going to give it a shot, especially since uh, since Jeff Loeb's done with the book. Now Jeff Parker's picking it up. See, really? That, that is a strong indication that mm. the, book, the book will turn well. It'll turn good. You know, so oh, that, that's, that's, that's kind of a hook for me, you know? Uh, no, even the powers of Jeff Parker cannot save this book. <laughs> I'm, I'm out. And that's it. That's I'm done. Yeah, Jonathan's done. So, Tim, I know you weren't collecting Hulk before World War Hulks. What are you going to do now that World War Hulks is over? I think I'm getting Incredible Hulk because I like Scar. I'm not so sure about Hulk itself. So um, we'll see. Yeah. I'm definitely picking up the next issue of Hulk, Hulk 25. Um, you know, I'm going to pick up the first Jeff Parker issue and see how it is. Because, I mean, you know, uh, it's especially since Incredible Hulk is going bi-weekly, that, that would be three more books a month. Oh, Hulk is going by. That's what I heard. Yeah, Hulk is going by. <laughs> Red Hulk, Blue Hulk, Pink Hulk. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I enjoyed it. I, I'm, I'm on board. But that wasn't the only Hulk book I read this week. I actually uh, – Hulk popped up in Marvel Universe versus The Punisher uh, issue two, which is kind of shocking that this book is already out because I think issue one just came out two weeks ago. Yeah, it's just uh, – I didn't – I thought it was supposed to be just a monthly, but it's coming out pretty quick, thankfully. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I really am, especially since I'm enjoying the storyline so much. Yeah, I really love this book. The uh, all the Deadpool stuff in it, I thought was kind of interesting. I mean, I don't think that they, I don't think Deadpool should be able to rebuild himself from being having his head and everything else chopped off and buried throughout the city. But it's still funny. Yeah, and um, you know, the, the issue was a little less dark than the first issue. You know, the first issue kind of had all the background of, you know, the the outbreak and you know had all the the pressing moments of the heroes dying and turning on each other, um, whereas this one was a little bit more action heavy, um, you know, and had uh, Venom and the Hulk and, but you know, I I dug it. I, I'm still digging the storyline, and if you're not picking it up, you know, I would suggest definitely picking up and trade. Um, but I did have an issue with it. All right, let's hear it. Aaron did not pick up this book because of the art on the cover. Yes. Now the the art of the first issue did not bug me. I, I you know I thought it fit the story. As we get into the second issue, the art is starting to bug me. And to clarify, the art on the interiors is similar to the cover art, right? Correct. Yeah, it's the same artist, Goran okay. Parlov. It, I guess the big bad of this storyline has been revealed to be Spider Man. He's patient yeah. zero. He was the first one to ref- to show symptoms of the outbreak. And I'm um, loving how everyone's afraid of him because he's basically he's a spider and everyone is his prey. I mean, net, you know, spider webs all over the place, picking up any survivors so he can eat them. Mm-hmm. You know, and not only that, all the spider based villains like Venom and all of them actually work for Spider-Man now. They're, they're part of his, um, I won't say entourage, you know, but cannibal entourage or whatever the hell it is um but you know like you know you get to the art on the last page and spider-man has um some of the last survivors all webbed up and i I thought the art was so piss poor on that page and so i'm I'm actually having you know i'm starting to have issues with the art you know it's i get stylized art but some of it just seems like sloppy art you know normally i hate stylized art but i'm not minding it through most of this 
That last page that you're talking about, I agree. I had huge issues with the art on that page. Other than that, though, I kind of like the style they're going with for a darker story. You know, it's I don't necessarily want the crisp and clean artwork for something like, you know, superheroes going cannibal. But that last page, yeah, it's... It was by far the worst art out of both of the first issues, just on one page. Yeah, I mean, and that's the main piece that I had, uh, you know, an issue with. But otherwise, I, I, I'm still loving the storyline. The story far surpasses any issues I have with the art, and I am definitely on board for issues three and four. And I hope the ending doesn't disappoint me. Um, and another thing I hope for is that this is where it ends, um, as in. I, I don't want to see Marvel Universe versus The Punisher 2, like we saw Marvel Zombies 2. Yeah. You know, I, I hope this is a done-in-one storyline with an actual ending that I can enjoy. It doesn't lead into something else or, you know, hint at a larger universe. I, I like this just being a one-shot, you know, a one-miniseries deal. You know what I think is kind of cool that they're doing with the story? All of the same type of heroes or villains are gathering together. So, for example... Like you said, Spider-Man has all of the arachnid ones. Well, there's this great scene at a, uh, you know, at a homeless shelter where all of the bird villains and heroes. You've got Dark Hawk, Vulture. There's two or three others all gathered there, and they're all in a flock eating people. I think that's kind of cool that they're flocking together based on the type of hero or villain they are. I agree. I, 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 there are so many good ideas in the book. It's, it, you know, it's a shame that a lot of people won't give it a chance because either they don't like the Punisher, or it's an Elseworlds tale, that type of thing. But it, it's really worth the read. Yeah, and unlike Mar- Punisher versus the Marvel Universe, this one isn't a comedy book. That one was really cool, and it was a uh, there was a lot of funny to it. But this, there's no comedy here. Mm-mm. No, it's it's dead serious. So I, I, I. I I still recommend it. If you're not picking it up, pick it up. Now, another uh, – not another book. A book that hit it, the end of its first storyline this week was Secret Avengers. And I'm stunned by something in Secret Avengers. Stunned. Aaron is stunned. I am stunned. Now, uh, Jonathan, you read Secret Avengers. I did. And uh, do, do you know what I'm talking about? Do you know what I'm referencing? Yes, I do. Tell us about it, Jonathan. Is it that Nova is no longer going to be part of the Secret Avengers? Yes, and that there's actually a nod towards continuity. There is. Yeah. So this story takes place prior to the Thanos Imperative. They 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 put a little you know a little peg mark in it to let you know exactly when this occurred. Love it. <laughs> Tim, you read it. Mm-hmm. What'd you think? If you compare it to the steaming pile of crap that was Secret Avengers three, this one wasn't half bad. <laughs> um, I, I, that's, that's to say it wasn't half good either but it was okay yeah now uh tell me about a redeeming quality of the book tell me what you liked about it um i actually liked that there was a little more team interaction as far as the verbals like especially with valkyrie's like i need backup and war machines got her back and i i like i liked uh some of the ant-man dialogue too mm-hmm that was one of the re- one of the redeeming qualities of the book. They actually functioned like a team a little bit. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I was happy that we got to see Sharon again because she was woefully absent from from issue three. So it was nice to to see her back in the book. One thing that I thought was really interesting is that uh, Ant Man kills four people in the book. 
rationalizes it by, well, they were going to kill themselves anyway. <laughs> He's got a point. <laughs> and and so I'm kind of curious because, you know, he doesn't mention it to anybody, you know. You know, he mentions that he saves the day, but he doesn't mention that, by the way, I killed four guys. I'm wondering if if that's all we're going to see of that or if that's actually going to develop in his character later on. No, I think Ant-Man's smart enough to go, all those guys in those, in those black uh, hockey jerseys with the dragon on them, those are all LMDs anyways. I didn't kill anybody. <laughs> there were, there were people. You're dealing with, the Ant-Man you're dealing with has never been a good guy. I mean, this guy is a scumbag, and that's why oh, he's so great. Has he he's, ever really been a bad guy, though? I mean, really? Well, he was on the Thunderbolts. Norman no. Osborn's Thunderbolts. No way. He was. He was. We're the... talking a guy who got his best friend killed to steal the costume. A guy who spent most of his time shrunk down, sitting in Miss Marvel's shower, watching her shower. Okay, we'd all do that. Are we all? Villains? <laughs> well, yeah, we'd all do that. But still, the guy got his best, used his best friend's death to get into his best friend's girlfriend's pants and got her pregnant, and then ran off to be a superhero. He is a scumbag, and he's wonderful for it. That is really a good strategy, though. Well, in the, on the when I was reading Thunderbolts, <laughs> is that your move, Aaron? <laughs> that is now my move. <laughs> <laughs> when, when I was when I was reading Thunderbolts with him in it, it was basically him just hiding a lot. So yeah, you know, and that's he came what off you more as a coward than anything else. That's what you got in Avengers Initiative too. When he was there, it was a lot of of hiding and trying to avoid fights. And actually in his own book, it was the same thing. He was never one to run out in the middle and take part in the fight. He's kind of a, if he can get a pot shot here and there, he'll do that. And that is what he does a lot in this book. So he's being consistent. Now, uh, this was the issue that Steve Rogers puts on Nova's helmet and becomes, you know, uh, Nova for a little bit. Captain and Nova. Captain Nova. And, you know, the scene where he first manifests his Nova powers, his thighs frighten me. <laughs> <laughs> it's got some yeah. scary ass thighs there. But, you know. That's not where I thought you were going with that. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Steve Rogers changed outfits again. Well, and he did. He did. Now, I did kind of like his, uh, his, you know. Captain Nova uh, get up. I, I like the three stars on it. But I, I do have a little issue, minor issue with the artwork this time. Um, Valkyrie, there is a scene where, you know, you've got Beast standing next to Valkyrie, Valkyrie standing next to Steve Rogers, War Machine, etc. And Valkyrie is drawn shorter than Steve Rogers. And I, that, that doesn't seem right to me. You know, she uh, she she is a, a a shield maiden of the gods. She is you know mighty 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 Valkyrie. She is a goddess, and she really, Aaron, sir. It was a metaphor. The the artist was trying to show you her place in the world being female. <laughs> I didn't care for it. But you know, I did not care for issue three. I've had you know concerns about this whole series, but I thought it ended up rather well. I thought issue four was a lot stronger than issue three, and I, I think that it wrapped this story up nicely. You want to know what the, the most shocking the thing was? Oh, go ahead, Paul. No, no, you go ahead. I, I guess, well, the question is, Aaron, are you going to be on board for five? I don't know. You know, the I'm not sure that I'm interested in the next storyline. 
know, the what next, is the next storyline? The no- next storyline is getting into the secret life of Nick Fury so that we can, you know, see what the hell's going on with uh, the Nick Fury that we've been seeing in these pages that's off doing bad things. Um, you know, I, I totally agree, and that's what I was going to say. If this, uh, sec- the next storyline would have been something that would have been interesting, yeah, I would have been, yeah, it's, it's worth giving another shot. But I don't know if I can handle three issues to find out that that's not Nick Fury, it's an LMD. Well, and I got to say, I think Brubaker's the wrong writer for this. I really respect his talent. I, I loved his work on Daredevil, but I do not care for his his writing on this book. And as much as I like uh, Diodato, I, I don't care for his pencils on this book. So I, I think I am probably not going to pick up issue five. I'll probably browse through it at the store. And if it if it interests me at that point, I'll pick it up. But it won't go on my pull list. So and I'm disappointed to say that I think this book has a lot of potential, but I, I don't think it's meeting that potential. So there you go. I, I picked up the book. I actually did, based on Aaron's recommendation. Even though I said I was done with issue three, Aaron's like, you know, it's actually not half bad. So I bought it. Did you really? I did. Why isn't? Why aren't your initials next to this? Because I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think, Paul? Um, I I thought it brought the first storyline from shit to mediocre. Yeah. Um. But, you know, it's still a mediocre book. I'm still not going to pick it up. I'm still not going to pick up issue five. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned the art, and that's one thing I wanted to comment on. It seemed to me, you know, we, we talked about Mike Diodato's art in Dark Avengers. I don't know if he's being rushed here or what, but the art style's different in this book. It almost seemed like he was trying to channel Neil Adams a little bit in some of the scenes. Mm-hmm. Am I the only one who, who felt that way? Yeah. I saw Neil Adams in it. Like the scene where Ant-Man is flying away from the nuclear explosion, yes. that is a total Neil Adams drawing right there. Mm-hmm. No, no one agrees with me. Well, I, I can see what you're saying. I didn't, I didn't. Who's Neil Adams? Oh my God. <laughs> you're on a comic book podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Paul only says, answers in that fashion. Cause he doesn't know who Neil Adams is either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you tell me who Neil Adams is, Jonathan. You tell me. <laughs> See, I thought I thought I thought he was uh, channeling more Jerry Rodriguez. Yeah, that too. Whatever. <laughs> but I no like how Paul it. agrees with me rather than admit that he doesn't know who that is. <laughs> exactly. That's how you should have pulled it. <laughs> A name uh, I made up. <laughs> <laughs> but no one mentioned that Steve Rogers puts on the Nova hat or the Nova helmet. Changes costumes. When he takes the Nova helmet off, the costume, costume doesn't change. Doesn't change back. Yeah. Well, and I thought it was interesting. The uh, I always thought the the little glowy things on Nova's costume kind of you know indicated the presence of the, of the world mind powers because they're all glowy. He, he's not had his Nova powers for a while. Immediately they're glowing back. You know, so like when when he's got the serpent crown on. He's glowing red to show that he's, you know, not using Nova powers. He's using serpent powers. And then, I mean, immediately when the serpent's gone, I guess the Nova force travels back to him, even though uh, Steve Rogers has the helmet on. I would have liked hmm. some conversation to that effect. Yeah, I, I didn't think much about it. But now that you mention it, yeah, I guess that could be a, an issue. I, I mean, it didn't. the entire storyline didn't seem entirely well written. I mean, let's be honest. The bad guy gets taken out. Um, and... Well, oxygen it, slowly. Yeah, immediate. He immediately creates the atmosphere 
but you know the the bad guy gets taken out and there's plenty of time to you know go ahead and walk back to the teleporter pad <laughs> you know <laughs> i mean I, yeah i i thought that was that was poorly handled i would have liked to have seen an emergency rush oh shit everyone's going to suffocate if we don't hurry up and take care of this at well, least they mentioned a couple it, people though. yeah true yeah, <laughs> they could have just like brushed that over. Well, at like, least they oh, didn't go all Mars uh, without her helmets again for another thirty minutes. At least they didn't all go like uh, goggly eyed, like uh, uh, Total oh, Recall style. <laughs> yeah, that would have been awesome. <laughs> then I would have picked up issue five. <laughs> you know, just in 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 terms of the artwork. I think I would have preferred, you know, I, and I know that they, they threw everyone into these kind of generic spacesuits, but I, I think I would have preferred seeing their own suits, their own, you know, uh, uniforms and whatnot, a little bit more stylized into their their spacesuits. I think that would have been more interesting to look at than seeing all these guys romping around in their in their jumpsuits. And I know that you know that's just kind of well, who has time to make these special. Uh, uh, fashionable spacesuits, but I just—it's comic book. I, I would have preferred to have seen that, and I think that's what killed the early issues for me. Is you could have put any characters in them because they all yeah. looked alike. Well, and and I think what I really—I think that the, the, where this book really falls down over four issues is they just didn't know how to use this team. You know, and it's just—it's just like what you said, Wayne. I mean, they could have sent anybody because I mean, how much did you get to see Moon Knight in this book? I, I just I think it, it's it's really a failure in the writing. He picked a team that I think he thought was going to be cool, but then he didn't really know what to do with them. You know, Steve Rogers could have used his connections to Calvin Klein and gotten all these jumpsuits done. <laughs> Don't brush over that, Aaron. They yes, could have made that happen. I mean, if Steve Rogers can change costumes four times in the course of a two-minute period, I'm pretty sure he could afford to have special costumes made for spacesuits. That's right. Yep. Or at least a symbol, for God's sakes. How hard is it to put a big crescent moon on a friggin' jumpsuit? I did like his Nova costume, though. His party. I like how he's got star nipples. <laughs> he's got he's pasties. Got pasties, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk it, about let's talk about the Avengers title that you should be reading, which is New Avengers. And exactly. New Avengers three came out this week because it's no secret that Secret Avengers sucks, but New Avengers is full of awesome. A.K.A. Continuity Breaker or Continuity Raper. The new <laughs> Avengers go. Well, uh, Paul? I, I I loved it. I, I really loved this book. This is by far the best Avengers book. Um, you know, and of course I said that about a different Avengers book when they first started, but you know, then they all started getting shitty. But this one did not start getting shitty. Um, and it had an interesting cliffhanger Mm-hmm. It's just you know it was well written and it was gorgeous, an absolutely yeah. gorgeous book. Yeah, Stuart Amonin is drawn as guts out on this book. I, I I'm really enjoying. it. I mean, from that first page where um, what the hell is her name? The red lady with the red streak in her hair. Um, Victoria Hunt. Yes, thank yeah, you, Victoria Hunt. Um, that, that just that that those five panels of her getting being ticked off at Captain America are hysterical. You know, and and Amonin just does a really nice job of of uh, making that energy happen on the page, and then you know the sky exploding and whatnot, and even the pages with the Iron Fist and all that white background and whatnot are just so visually interesting. Thoroughly enjoyed it. 
everyone's bringing their A-game, from the colorist to the pencils to the inks. I mean, it's just a great book. But let's talk about the most important dialogue in the book. Yeah. What's up with that? You've got a a page with Ms. Marvel, Spider-Man, and The Thing, and they're all handling all the chaos that's going on. And Spider-Man says, is there a Ghostbuster in the house? You know, because they've got ghosts coming into town. You don't need a degree in both psychology and paranormal psychology. Just the latter will do. And Ms. Marvel comes back with, you know, I've never actually seen that movie. And the thing loses his cool about this. You've never seen the Ghostbusters? Well, I've been busy. I can't even talk to you right now. That's so upsetting. And there are several pages that go on with the thing not being able to believe that she's never seen Ghostbusters. I think that that, that was trying to send a message to Adam of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, let me uh, let me let me state this is a pristine example of what a comic book should be. And Absolutely. anybody who's new to comics should be reading this book because it's awesome. Yeah. You've got great dialogue. It's funny. It's beautifully drawn. There's like twists at the end of these books that are just awesome. It's like, there's not, there's, there's nothing you can point to this book and say that this is a B plus book. This is straight a book of the week and you should be reading it. And to your point, Tim, it's not just funny. It's laugh out loud. Funny. Yes. Um, I, the, the, the panel where, you know, the thing says, all right, boys, playtime's over. And Spider-Man's like, wait, wait playtime's over? Yeah, what? We don't get an it's clobbering time? I mean, if ever there was a time that I would de- designate as an actual time to clobber, this would be that time. And the thing says, you know, if I'm going to be an Avenger, I'm going to need to come up with a new Avenger-friendly catchphrase, don't you think? <laughs> yeah. The, the interaction between them is perfect. And, you yeah. know, yeah, it's... Yeah, there's they're raping comp- continuity, as Jonathan would say. But you know, at the same time, there are ads all over Marvel's books for Fantastic Three that yeah. do, that show that things not in the team anymore. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's not that much of a continuity raper. Maybe yeah. okay, things are full time adventure one now. One little one little nod, one little nod to the Fantastic Three does not make up for the slew of other characters that should not be there. Yeah, Spider-Man and Wolverine are both only on three other teams. (laughs) Luke Cage now is on two teams. Like, at least back back in the old New Avengers, you could be like, well, yeah, Spider-Man, Wolverine, they're everywhere. But Luke Cage, this is the Luke Cage book. Nope. (laughs) Can't even do that now. It's not Jonathan. It's the ghost of Stanley haunting Jonathan's brain. Seriously. You got Excelsior. I understand. I like continuity, too. but You have to fight against the fraction. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> but you know what? This is the only book I'm reading with Wolverine in it, so I don't mind it so yeah. much. <laughs> so the continuity's not bothering you one little bit? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, for the most part, you know, most of the team is only in this book. I mean, yeah. right now anyway. Well, I mean, and this is the best Doctor Strange story I've read in a long time. I, I, I see bad things for, for Doctor Voodoo. I love that. Yeah. I love that everyone's like Voodoo. You're a dumb fuck. You didn't deserve this. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're the you're the worst. You know, sorcerer supreme ever, um, <laughs> ever. You suck. I love where this is going. And okay, let's spoil the end of this book. That sure does look like the ancient one wandering out of the the uh, the, the white background there. Yeah, it does. What's the and, ancient one? Uh, uh, Doctor Strange's mentor, it's Neil Adams. And he, uh, <laughs> and the last I saw of the ancient one, and I'm I, I'm sure there's probably been an appearance since then, but he became one with the universe, and 
you know, hasn't been se- had not been seen in the Marvel universe for a while. But I I don't know. Has anybody seen him since then? I don't think so. So this is a this is a big return. I mean, that's been like twenty years ago, thirty years ago. Yeah, it's been a while, and I love it because it's like, you know, there there's this cliffhanger ending with the ancient one, and everyone's like all excited, and it's a great book. And yet the Avengers, it's like you see Apocalypse on the last page, and everyone's like, eh, or Devil <laughs> Dinosaur, and everyone's like, eh. But you throw this old guy on a page yeah. in a in a well written. Okay, because art. all right, that's because of the the art and the writing. I mean, if you had thrown Apocalypse on that end page and the book was doing well, like you'd be like, oh, this is gonna be a good storyline. Or like if Apocalypse was like the main villain of that first storyline, it would have been huge. But otherwise. Not when Apocalypse looks like Ronald McDonald. I don't care. Yeah. Just say Avengers yeah, sucks. no, I Avengers agree. Sucks. Yeah, no, but it I, does. I do want to put out there, uh, in reference to something Tim t- said earlier about Avengers, I don't think the second arc of Avengers is drawn by John Romita Jr. Ugh. So, at least not according to comicsology. So, that may be something good. Well, I, I think uh, New Avengers was a home run. I, I really, really enjoyed it. You know what else I enjoyed this week? The Thunderbolts uh, Avengers Academy crossover, Scared Straight. I I didn't pick up Avengers Academy number two because I didn't like issue one, but I picked up issue three because it crossed over with Thunderbolts, which I do enjoy. I enjoyed enjoyed the way the books work together. Can I make a complaint? Yes. Um, I would would have appreciated some kind of indication as to which story to read first. I agree. I don't think it mattered. Because of the way the stories, the way the crossover is done is not the same as I think crossovers we've seen in the past. I think it does I love matter. crossovers. It doesn't matter, story. Aaron. I think it does. Why does it matter, Aaron? Well, because in Avengers Academy, you have uh, who's her face, the, the the lady that wears the fishbowl on her head, um, head down. Matt, yeah, Matt. get it right. I did. The lady with the fishbowl on her head. This is my favorite team right now in the Marvel Universe. Mysterio Jr. You better be careful with your words, Harry. <laughs> she she goes down with a couple of her peeps to go see Norman Osborn, whereas you read uh, Thunderbolts, all that shit's already happened by the end of that book. Yeah, but it wouldn't matter anyway because Avengers Academy is a, is a two-part storyline where Thunderbolts is only one issue. So it, given that we're not going to see what happens with Norman Osborn until next month, the fact that Thunderbolts came out at all this month, Makes that moot point. Yeah, but it doesn't matter because they ruined it in the back in the end of Thunderbolts. What's going to exactly. happen in Avengers Academy? Yeah, yeah. and but- I didn't read Thunderbolts, so don't ruin my ending for Avengers Academy. <laughs> <laughs> I, but well, you should be reading. This was my first issue. Uh, no, I shouldn't. This was my first issue of Avengers Academy, and I rather liked it. It's awesome, isn't it? Yeah, I thought it was really good. And this isn't even the best issue. Like I thought, issue number two was was by far the best of the three so far. Yeah, I I this isn't the agree. best issue out of three. It, it, I don't know. Okay, I did, we I, were just we were just talking about uh, the Secret Avengers, a four issue run. You guys are ready to to, to judge it. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, so judgmental on this podcast. <laughs> so yes, it was the, the issue number two was the best out of three. Okay, I like the artwork, I, and I, I enjoy. I'm about I'm about to get rude. <laughs> I only have like love in my heart for one mediocre teenage super team, and that and, and uh, 
Well, that wouldn't be Teen Titans because they're not mediocre. They just suck. They're not teenage either. What are they, like, in their 30s now? They're in their (laughs) teens. They just have been for 30 years. (laughs) (laughs) I thought. I thought. I did not like Avengers Academy. And I'm not even sure why. I think it's just because I don't care about those characters. And they're new, so it's not, like, a fault of theirs. But it's, like... I don't know. I like. I love. I've been loving Thunderbolts, and I felt like this crossover kind of muddied my Thunderbolts. Well, and okay, I I, I think for, in terms of the crossover, I think that uh, it did not serve Thunderbolts well at all. Um, I thought it served Avengers Academy very well. You know, it it did exactly what I know they wanted it to do. It got me reading an, an issue of Avengers Academy. But uh, I, while I still enjoyed Thunderbolts, I just. I, I, it seemed like it let some of the air out of uh, out of the sails of, of the story that I was enjoying. You know, when you end your the when you end issue one forty six with you know that big dramatic scene with Man Thing and Crossbones and uh, Ghost, you know, in the Mach five armor, and they're all getting ready to, sh- to throw down on the Cthulhu guys, and you open up. With the Avengers Academy guys walking into uh, on, on the Thunderbolt Island or whatever it's called, um, it, it really takes away some of that energy. I mean, this book should have opened up on the where where we are on the third page. I, I, and I agree with you there, Aaron, because I mean, I, I could definitely see uh, Thunderbolts being hurt by this crossover. Avengers Academy is my book of the week this week. Mm-hmm. Thunderbolts was my least favorite book this week, <laughs> so that um, I really didn't like this issue of Thunderbolts. Uh, especially, man, this art is really getting to me. I really don't like the art on this book. See, I love the art. Same here. I love the art. Yeah. You guys here. are out of your minds. Ah, oh, it's see. It's now I know weird. I'm right because I completely disagree with Jonathan. <laughs> no, it's, well. My concern with this book, with Thunderbolts, is that I like the team. I love the writing. I love the art. We're already getting them into another crossover with the next issue. Did anybody else notice that? Yeah, Shadowland, which I'm not excited about. I just don't want the book to be constantly derailed because they want to get – they want to get the Thunderbolts out there. So let's cross over with Avengers Academy. Let's cross over with Shadowland. You know, is you know, is that going to break up the flow of the book? Yeah. You know, because they keep trying to get the word out on the team. Maybe, And I get it. Maybe they're trying to increase sales by throwing Shadowland on the cover. But, you know, is it going to mess with the story? You know well, what this art reminds me of? It reminds me of the uh, X Factor Forever that you guys love so much, just with darker colors. Like because, did anybody like, like X Factor Forever? The in artwork, the beginning, we did. You guys like the artwork? I but, didn't read it. I'm just curious. Uh, you know, I mean, just like the way people's heads are drawn, and isn't Moonstone supposed to be hot? Like, but she's drawn like a complete trailer skank. Like, <laughs> I, I don't dig, it, and I hate the way the Juggernaut looks. You go over to Avengers Academy with love, that art. Love the way the, the Juggernaut looks. The the way the Juggernaut looks in Avengers Academy, I'm like, okay, this is what the Juggernaut's supposed to look like. It, it, it's a, a far cry from from the way he looks in in Thunderbolts, yeah. where he's just sort of brown. You know, honestly, Jonathan, the in Avengers Academy, that looks like a that looks like Juggernaut like year one. 
where he's like bright and shiny and things are okay and I'm not in jail and like Thunderbolt seems like the dude that's been through the friggin' war. Exactly. And that's kind of why I like it. Same here. Because that whole team looks like they've been through the dang war. Including Moonstone, who's supposed to look hot. She looks like she's got some miles on her now. Well, and and I said this the last time we talked about Thunderbolts. I think they're drawing her that way to show just how nuts she is. You know, she does look insane. Yeah. I, 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 I couldn't feel com- as different from Jonathan as any more than I do right now. Because I, I think the art in this book, this is one of my favorite looking books. Every week, every time it comes out. I love the art. I love this style. And I just really dig the way it looks. Yeah. Uh, well, and I, I think they, they did what they they did what they did what set out to accomplish with this crossover. Because I'm, I'm going to head out and I'm going to pick up uh, Avengers Academy 1 and 2. Because I, I, right. I really enjoyed number 3. Last, last uh, piece of defense for Avengers Academy. The fact it's, that it's outselling Thunderbolts? Well, uh, it's the... It's the only book right now, and we just talked about Secret Avengers and how they don't know how to use that team and stuff like that. The reason I love Avengers Academy is it's the only team book in the Marvel Universe right now uh, that is giving you character moments. Yeah, every issue is having a strong focus on one of the characters. I love seeing Hazmat's backstory in this issue. I loved last issue seeing the... Uh, Finesse. Thank you. I don't know why I can't remember her name. I love seeing her story and getting all those character moments on her. I'm looking forward to seeing what the story is with some of the rest of these characters. Because... I am hooked. I do like these characters. I think this is a strong, solid team that's interacting well with each other and actually having those character moments that I'm not seeing in other books. And, and the characters forget, aren't in other books normally. Let's not forget the uh, the instructors as characters as well and some of the moments we're getting to see with that. Notice uh, notice, Speedball is not, not quite broken away from his emo phase. Yeah, he's cutting yeah. himself. Valkyrie showing up and getting ready to tell the girls about Oh, uh, that was dildos. awesome. That was <laughs> great. <laughs> that was a good scene. And I do want to say, in reference to what Wayne said about Avengers Academy outselling Thunderbolts, I feel like the Thunderbolts creative team kind of got the shaft on that. Uh, I, I think they should have, just like every other book, got restarted with a number one even if it was necessary or not. I don't know why they didn't do the same with Thunderbolts. I don't know why they continued with the numbering instead of restarting with number one. I think that would have been, I think that would have helped the book sales. Yeah. And I do agree with you. This should have been a number one because it's not the same team. The creative you know, team completely changed on it. The direction completely changed. And it probably would have got more sales if it were a number one. I, I have to agree with Jonathan that the artwork is not what I'm looking for. I want a crisper, cleaner artwork. <laughs> well, you know what? Sometimes crisper, cleaner artwork doesn't work out for you. I, th- I think in true. I think in the heroic age that uh, and I, you know I'm reading Thunderbolts. I'm not going to drop it. I'm even going to stick around for the Shadowland stuff, even though I'm not reading Shadowland. But I uh, I just don't feel like the Thunderbolts are as necessary to have around as villains, like. The Juggernaut needs to be a villain, man, because we need him. We need him bad. See, but I, I like mean, what they're doing with his character. 
I mean, I like what they're doing with this character. And you know what? You know, Juggernaut may be a, a villain now, or hero now, but they're swapping him out with Daredevil, who's now a villain in Shadowland. That's right. That's true. And that doesn't swap out the Juggernaut. He's the Juggernaut, <laughs> bitch. God damn it, Jonathan. Let the transition happen. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say my biggest complaint with Thunderbolts really is I was a huge fan of the original team. I want to see a team of villains that are actually trying to reform themselves. I don't like the government agency aspect of it or the this is a team and they're being forced into it. I really like the original dynamic of the Thunderbolts You know when they turned on uh, – God – I can't think of any character's name today. Are you having a stroke? When they turned on Zemo. Are you having a stroke? Do you smell toast? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're close. Grab his tongue. Toast sounds awesome. That's my big complaint. I I haven't been happy with Thunderbolts in a long time. And I did love the original series. I love that redemption quality. And the villains actually wanting to be heroes because they've had a taste of it. And we haven't seen that since the original team. Well, speaking of redemption quality, Shadowland Daughters of the Shadow came out. (laughs) (laughs) And and I was the only one who read it. Oh, wait. I didn't update the list. I read this one, too. Did you really? Oh, it says says my name on the list. You ignored our outline. I just remembered you telling me you weren't going to read it last week. Yeah, I wasn't going to, but I figured if Aaron's going to read it, I'll give it a shot. That way two people can talk about it. And you know what, Aaron? Fuck you for making me read this book. <laughs> well, I, I'm I'm rather conflicted with it okay. because I, I enjoyed the story. I hated the artwork. And Absolutely. I, I think they made a huge mistake um, at the end of the book where they were, you know, giving you all the backstory on Daughters of the Dragon and Colleen Wing and Misty Knight. And, you know, all through the book, I've been going, God, this artwork sucks. And then you flip over to that page and there, there's the artwork you wanted to see, you know? Yeah. It's really nice on that page. God, it's beautiful. And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there going, you really should have had that guy draw the rest of this book because I, I dug the book. I dug the story, but every page, Every page, Paul, I kept thinking, wow, I really hate the way this is drawn. For instance, uh, Colleen Wing, who is the star of this book, um, she has a beauty mark. She has a mole uh, over her lip. And that thing looks like something that a a, a rat ought to come and gnaw off. I mean, every single page, as opposed to it just being this little beauty mark, it just looks like this giant festering cancer on her face. (laughs) Does. She looks like Dark Man or something. Yeah, I mean, it is nasty. Um, her costume, which I think is beautifully represented in the Daughters of the Dragon uh, 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 synopsis at the back, just looks like a stupid tracksuit, you know, throughout the, the rest of the book. Um, but uh, aside from the art, I mean, the art is just completely unimpressive. I, I, I really dug the story. I like where this is going. You know, Colleen Wing is a character that dates back from the 70s in Marvel, you know, closely tied with Spider-Man and Luke Cage and Iron Fist. She uh, um, was raised by her grandfather in Japan as a, uh, as a swordswoman, and now we're finding out some, some information about her mother who was killed when she was a child 
Um, and apparently she was part of an organization within the hand, you know, the ninja uh, organization that was called the nail and which was all female uh, warriors. And now daredevil is starting that back up and wants to put Colleen wing in charge of that. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I am completely on deck for that. But dude, they have got to do something about this art. Yeah, and I don't think they will. It's only a three issue miniseries. Oh God! Um, no, and I will say, I as you know, I I liked the idea of the story. I don't know much about Colleen Wing, so I was very happy to have that backup mm-hmm. that you know that explained her character. Because uh, what little I know of her came from reading some Iron Fist books, but I I know right. nothing really about her character. I know more about Misty Knight. Right. Um, but I enjoyed the one that came, the tie-in that came out last week. Daughters, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Blood on the Streets. I enjoyed yeah. that one. A lot more than I enjoyed this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe it's just the characters and my familiarity with the characters in that book. I don't know. But, uh, you know, some quality tie-ins, which is unusual. Well, and it, I was I was looking through, you know, the, uh, the summary synopsis at the back of it. And look at how every panel that they show you, the artwork is better than anything in this book. Every panel. Yeah. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just like holy crap. Plus, I, I was I was amused at how much uh, John Byrne has drawn this character. You know, looking at uh, those old Marvel team up stories as well as the Power Man and Iron Fist. That's a good point. So anyway, I again I, I'm conflicted because I mean from the cover all the way through the interior work artwork, the artwork is as terrible as it can be. The cover's awful. The cover the, the looks cover, like it was drawn by a five-year-old. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the, I mean, the art direction on this book is just hideous. Um, but the story, I really dug. Did, now, uh, did, did you enjoy the story, Paul? I didn't dislike the story. I enjoyed it. Again, I, I, I'm not as into the character as maybe you are. I don't know as much about her. Yeah. Um, and the fact that you know they describe her as this humorless character. I can see that in the book because there wasn't a lot of humor to draw me in and make me care about her. You know, there wasn't a lot of warmth there. Right. Um, but I, you know, I was interested. I like the ideas presented in it. I, you know, and I like, you know, I, I like the, you know, the, that, that area of the Marvel universe. Um, so, you know, I'll probably continue with it because I did enjoy it, but you're right. I, the art was, the art really kind of turned me off even oh, yeah. more so than anything else about the book. Well, I was kind of amused, you know, her, her costume is rather seamless, you know, it's you know more like just a, a big bodysuit. And so the artist spends a whole lot of time focusing on her backside. And generally when artists do that, they can actually draw somebody's backside. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, really not good. I mean, really, really not good. And it really yeah. says something that I'm willing to pick up issue two when I hated the artwork as much as I did in this one. Yeah, she doesn't have an ass. Yeah. That's disappointing. Colleen, you need to buy some eight-minute buns. Well, fortunately, you know, we did see her on the uh, on the workout equipment, you know, in the book. So, you know, we know that she's focused on that. She's committed. She's willing to work up on that ass. Yep. Do some crunches, baby. That's right. <laughs> now, another first issue that came out this week was Avengers and the Infinity Gauntlet, which is a re-envisioning of the classic Infinity Gauntlet story. Um, the original story was told by Jim Starlin, um, featuring art by – did he actually do the art in that book yes, too? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yeah. Oh, um, actually, no. Um, I think Ron Lim did. He did it – Ron Lim did it on the sequel, not oh. on the original. So maybe Starlin did do the the original. Yeah. I think the original was uh, okay. Jim Starlin. Um, 
Now, this is the re-envisioning is written by Brian Clevenger of Atomic Robo fame, with art by Chirilla, which sounds like a uh, <laughs> a tasty little fried dish with cinnamon on it. Mm. Uh, Brian Chirilla. I was excited about this book because I loved Atomic Robo. I love Atomic Robo, and I loved Infinity Gauntlet. That is one of my favorite Marvel crossover storylines. Two great tastes that taste great together, right, Paul? Exactly. Except. Except. (laughs) (laughs) Let me tell you, Paul, I have got a lot of love for Brian Clevenger. I really do, which is the reason why I picked up this book. Um, I couldn't finish reading it. I had a hard time. I had a very hard time. It, it it is that bad. Yeah, the art from the art the artwork is done very much like you know Marvel Superhero Squad. Um, it's very childish. Not that it is like a child did it, but it seemed like it was drawn for children. And uh, I I just couldn't get through it. I just could not get through it. I'm sure that somebody out there enjoys this. I suspect that they're probably seven years old. Yeah, this was very much a, you know, the the Marvel has their all-ages superheroes line. And let's be honest, some great talent has come out of that line. Jeff Parker came from writing that stuff. And usually their stuff is is actually pretty decent. In fact, they had some ads in here for Marvel Adventures Mm Spider-Man that kind of intrigued me. I might give it a shot, you know. Um, and, And even Thor the Mighty Avenger is considered part of that line because it's, I guess, it's suitable for all ages. Um, now, I didn't realize the story was part of that line um, when I first picked it up. The art sucked. Yeah. Yeah. The art was awful. I mean, there's one scene in the middle of a fight with Dr. Doom. Hulk shows up in like uh, uh, like a farmer's hat and overalls <laughs> for literally no reason. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, he – I'm sorry, a tank top, a tutu, and a farmer's hat for no reason whatsoever. Um, You know, and and there are some funny – there's some funny dialogue pieces in it, which you would expect from Brian Clevenger. But it's it's so just – it's 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 awful. It's an awful book, and I hate to say that. Same here. I I, I felt bad, but I – wow, I could not finish reading it. I, I, I blech. Blech. There you go. One more no, time. And, and, blech. blech. <laughs> and again, it doesn't take away from my love of Brian Clevenger. I think he's a great writer. I love Atomic Robo. I don't think this book was necessarily a good fit. Um, and I don't think re-envisioning the Infinity Gauntlet was maybe even the best idea to begin with because well, the book is so great to begin with. Well, and uh, it, uh, clearly this wasn't written for you and I. Um, I think – that some kind of of uh, banner on the cover indicating that you know it was an all ages read or something would have been helpful. <laughs> a banner says suck fest. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I, like I said, I mean, I think if you're if you're you know a, a small child, I think this is probably a lot of fun, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that, that's a, that's a good point. We think the book sucks. I'm sure the regular readers of the Marvel Adventures line might actually enjoy this. Yeah. I, I just don't think I was maybe the intended audience. No, I, I, I think that's exactly right. I, and I was not in the mood to read something, you know, that was an all-ages read. I wasn't, you know, in the mood to, to read a child's book. 
And that's what this was. I, I am, I'm convinced. I just the, the the way it's drawn, the way it's written. This was written for somebody who's seven or eight years old. And while I'm having a birthday this week, it will not be my seventh or eighth birthday. I'll be nine. You're too old for this book. <laughs> I aged out. Yeah, you're old enough to read Uncanny X Men now. Woohoo! So you can read it with next issue because unfortunately you missed out on issue five twenty seven, which came out this week. Well, I wasn't old enough. Yeah, exactly. But Jonathan and Wayne were, even though we're younger than him, somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Continuity doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna stay the same age for like thirty years. Yeah, uh, Aaron's me. like Bruce Wayne, and you're like Dick Grayson <laughs> in the short pants. <laughs> More like what just a Dick. Thought. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I'm gonna let Wayne go first. All right, this issue is better than last issue, at least. I don't know that that's saying much. I dislike that Emma Frost is going on a date with anybody that'll, you know, take her out while still proclaiming to be completely loyal to Cyclops and then going into PMS moments throughout the book. Um, I don't like this whole these mutants are having a problem developing, so Hope has to show up and pull that out of them. I don't think they really know what to do with Hope now that she's back and. They're certainly not giving her personality in any of these books, that's for sure. I did like some of the conversations Emma had on her dates. I liked the, uh, you know, I liked the conversation with Tony about, uh, you know, wanting the mutants to come more out into the open, even though we've already seen that conversation. I liked the fact that he doesn't remember the last time they met. I liked the Namor hitting on her because that's kind of in character for him. And him giving the whole speech about how, yeah, Cyclops was wonderful, you know, in war, but what's he going to be like now that his war is over? Uh, the one thing I really did like about this book is Wolverine calling Cyclops on his lack of emotion. That Wolverine, of all people, is the one telling him, you're not dealing with your grief. So there are bits and pieces to this that were interesting enough to me that I think I'm going to give it another issue. I'm not giving up on the title yet. But there was a lot that I didn't care for in this book. Yeah, I mean, I like some of the character moments, but it just doesn't feel... I mean, I I think my problem with the X-Universe right now is it's too big. It's too big and too confined, and they don't have defined teams on any of the multiple X-Books, which they could easily do. Yeah. And so like I don't feel like these are real characters. Like I uh, they're missing you know, the mark because they're not defining what the mark is. Right. It and it, it doesn't feel like you've just got it feels like Matt Fraction has this toolbox and he's just pulling out whatever he needs. And it I don't, I'm not I'm not I think I'm out of the X universe after this month. I think I think I'm going to stick with X-Men forever, and I'm going to stay on board with New Mutants because it is a defined team, and it does have the character moments. You need to but, buy X-Men, the vampire one. <laughs> no, I'm definitely not doing that. 
I said, I'm giving Uncanny another issue because there were some threads in here that I enjoyed, but for the most part, I was disappointed. And the artwork, I really hated the way they drew Emma in half the scenes they drew her. I agree. I didn't like the artwork. Um, you know, I, I feel like, I don't know. It's just, it's not, like, I guess Fraction's trying to tell a story, but he's taking away from the thing that I think drew a lot of people to the X-Men from the get-go, you know, back when I was reading and maybe later on <laughs> is, uh, you know, the characters. The characters are what are what define the book. Like, you, th- you can throw all kinds of plot on it, but if you're just using the characters interchangeably and not really defining who they are, then what's the point? Yeah. And uh, all the complaints before about Captain America changing his costume, I've glancing through, I found at least four different changes of clothes for Emma throughout the course of this book. I mean, true, she is going on dates with two other men that aren't Cyclops, but still. I think I think that uh, this might be a way of uh, phasing Emma out. Maybe maybe Emma's on the on the outs. Maybe they're looking for a resurgence of the Hellfire Club. Yeah, and it's sad because I always I never cared for Emma's character, and I'm finally actually caring about the character now when they don't seem to know what to do with her. Yeah, but I think you could that could be said about a lot of these characters. Like, what are they doing with Namor? What are they doing with uh, you know Psylocke, who was in this book? What are they doing with Cyclops or Wolverine, who was just like chilling in a bar? Or, you know, I mean, it's... I still have hope for X-Force. Yeah, good, good luck with that. I'll be uh, I, I, don't, I, don't see, I don't see Kyle and Yost on that, on that team. And I think that it was, it was only through sheer will of, of those two dudes that, that that book was good at all. So good luck with that. I think I think it'll just feel like another X Men slash Uncanny slash Legacy slash X Force. So this was your last issue of Uncanny X Men. Yeah, it's just and especially because I'm reading, like you're not reading X Men forever. No, and I I urge everyone should be, but when you're reading something that i mean it's it's kind of like how you guys feel about secret avengers differently than i do because you're reading new avengers and really like it well i'm reading a better version of the x-men with better storytelling and better character development so why do i continue to pay for this book and so yeah that's it makes me sad but i'm out the last phantom (laughs) I think we were taking a moment of silence. <laughs> we were taking a moment of silence for Jonathan leaving the X-Men universe. Um, but yeah, moving into our indie spotlight, Dynamite Entertainment produced or released, I don't know, first issue of The Last Phantom this week. Um, now, I'm, I've always been a huge fan of the Phantom character. Same but, here. you know, in... in at least as far as American produced comic books, I've never, you know, since DC did him back, you know, produce comics back in the day of the Phantom, I haven't been the hugest Phantom fan uh, as far as comics are concerned. I love the movie. Um, I didn't so think I was, there was I, anyone else in the world other than me that enjoyed that movie, Paul. Oh, I love the hell out of that movie. The one with Billy Zane. 
Y'all. Yep. I even liked the recent TV movie that was on Sci-Fi Channel. But they already um, played it and I missed it. Damn. Oh. But you know, th- this is uh, the. I don't know necessarily why it's called the Last Phantom. Uh, well, I guess I do uh, because in in the book his his child is killed. But you know, he's still young enough. He can have another kid. You know, and uh, that's not the established wife we've seen before. We've seen future phantoms and other stories. I don't get why they're calling it the last phantom. When I picked it up, I didn't realize it was going to be about Kit. I didn't think it was going to be about Kit Walker. I thought we were going to look into a distant post-apocalyptic future or something. But that's not the case at all. No, not at all. It was, you know, it's a modern-day storyline that basically disregards um a lot of continuity uh, other than you know it, it, it you know past continuity is still in place uh, unless it took place in modern day because this is the modern day phantom i guess is what they're saying um so what'd you think of the book i really enjoyed it i mean i kept trying to fit it in with other stories and once i gave up trying to do that because this is dynamite's telling their story it's not the dc version i used to read it's not any of the other you know other companies that had small time runs on the property once i took it as its own thing i did really enjoy the story i was reading but i just had to give up the train of where does this fit in yeah i i think my you know i i can get past the continuity you know to enjoy the book the story was pretty decent i, I had a couple of issues with the book though i, I thought the art was weak the art looked like something that you would expect, and don't. And this is going to come out wrong, but it looks like something you would expect from a company that's not like Marvel or DC or Image Comics. You know, it's not that clean, polished art. It, you know, it, it looks kind of amateurish, honestly. At least in my opinion, it didn't seem like you know it, it was quite the the high grade of art that I would expect from something you know as big a release as The Phantom. You know, he's not big in the U.S., but The Phantom is still huge internationally. You know, so this is kind of a big deal book. The art didn't reflect as such, at least to me. And, did you catch uh, that one of his rings had the wrong symbol? I did catch that. Well, I've, I don't know. What was that symbol supposed to reflect? I don't know. He's supposed to have two rings that have varying, varying versions of the skulls. One is the skull and crossbones. One is just the skull. You know, one being the this is my good mark, this is my bad mark. This looks like there's a cross or something on the symbol. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure what that was supposed to signify. I, I, I'm, I'm curious about that. Maybe, maybe you know, the fact that they showed it gives me the impression that we'll eventually get an explanation for it. Uh, but my biggest problem with the book, the costume or lack thereof. Um, yeah. You know, the Phantom, you know, he's kind of got one of those costumes that does not typically work. Uh, you know, he's all purple. You know, it is made for comic books. You know, it is a purple costume. So what they do in the new Phantom book is forego the costume completely, and he has, like, purple war paint that just kind of, like, he splashes on himself. So it's, like, dripping off of him and stuff. And it's it's it looks stupid. It doesn't look good at all. I, I, at least in my opinion. I don't think it looks good at all. I kind of took it as a – and we'll see after the first story arc's done if this is the case or not. I took it more as a he doesn't have his full costume. All he had was the belt, the gun, and the rings in the in the uh, the briefcase. And since he's walking away from a crashed plane, he's trying to put together something. I mean, it's not nearly as effective as a full costume at all. And you're right, it doesn't look very good. But I'm not discounting that yet because I 
I'm hoping that he just doesn't have the costume with him. And maybe you have a good point. You know, I, maybe this is just a temporary, just for the first storyline. I hope it is anyway, because it does it uh, visually and conceptually, it doesn't work. Uh, in fact, when I was buying it at the comic shop, <laughs> uh, the guy at the you know the the guy at the register, Greg, he he asked me. He's like, "How does he make love to his lady? You know, is she always on top? Because uh, he's going to be dripping shit all over her." He like, doesn't because she's dead. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a good point. Well, maybe yeah, if so- she's dead, she won't care about the dripping. <laughs> Ew. I, I am so I am so creeped out by how does he make love to his lady? <laughs> Is this, are these the kind of conversations you have with your comic book guy every week? Basically. So, Paul, how does that guy make love to his lady? Paul, how do you make love to your lady? Hey, Paul, let's talk about making love. <laughs> 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 but you know, he asked me the same question about Darkwing Duck. Darkwing Duck doesn't number... wear pants, so there you go. Yeah, easy. That's how. Uh, <laughs> number three came out this week. Uh, now, Wayne and I have been reading this book the entire time, but we haven't talked about it because we don't want everyone to make fun of us, just like I don't talk about Casper. Um but I guess after three issues, we, we couldn't reserve the our, entire uh, time. The entire time, it's only three issues, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> and you talked about time. it the first week because that's why I went out and bought it. Oh yeah, I did. Yeah, Paul. Whatever. I don't listen hey, to this shit. Hey, Paul. What about some continuity? <laughs> I'm retconning continuity. Darkwing <laughs> <laughs> Duck waves continuity. <laughs> How can he be here in Duckburg? <laughs> Darkwing Duck isn't in Duckburg. DuckTales is in Duckburg. Dark, Darkwing Duck's always been in St. Canard. Seriously, are we having this conversation? <laughs> we just did. I believe we, we are. did. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, next okay, week is what if we were writing Duckwing, Darkwing, Duckwing Duck? How about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I have much can... to say because this is my book of the week. I, I think the, the question is more how can Launchpad – be in Darkwing Duck and in Tailspin. Mm. Launchpad's not in Launchpad Tailspin. And Tailspin? <laughs> okay. No. <You> guys... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he left Duck. He left Ducktales to go to Darkwing Duck. Ducktales, you know, ended their show. Darkwing Duck started. He moved. This may be the reason why Paul didn't want to have this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I really like Tailspin, though. Yeah, no shit. Uh, <laughs> obviously not that much. How did Launchpad McQuack get from Tailspin? I don't know. I used to play with Transformers, too. back then. A better question is, how can Gadget from Rescue Rangers be in this issue when Rescue Rangers has full-size humans and doesn't live in a world with, you know, walking, talking animals other than them? Is that true? Was she was really in it? Yeah, they have a... Uh, this is probably my favorite panel of the whole book. They're doing these flashbacks to why Launchpad and Darkwing haven't been, you know, teamed up for a while. And Launchpad is talking about how grateful he is that they're back together because there's not very many jobs for a sidekick pilot. And it shows him holding that plane that she made with the balloon. And he's like, I can pilot this. And she's like, no, no, you cannot. Probably my hmm. favorite panel of the whole book. It's hilarious. You know, my, my first crush was on Gadget. <laughs> only, only not the not the mouse, the inspector. Oh yeah. 
yes. you know, I almost, I almost respected that. If you had a crush on a mouse, I could accept that. But a crush on someone that's mostly machine, no, I can't go there. Think of what he can do. <laughs> Think of what he can do. Go go gadget cock. That's, that's right. Uh, go go gadget John pleaser. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I'm loving this book. I really am. I and it's. One of the things that I don't like about Boom Studios' uh, kids line, at least the the Disney characters, is a lot of its reprint material from international stories, um, like the Uncle Scrooge and Mickey Mouse stuff. But this is original artwork. You know, it's got a decent, it's got a well written story. You know, it, it's I, I enjoyed the book. You know, yeah, I wouldn't say it was my book of the week, but I, I loved it. I think my huge level of nostalgia for Darkwing Duck probably colors it a little bit in my eyes because I'm just loving this book so much that, yeah, despite there being some really good books this week that I really enjoyed, Darkwing Duck was still my book of the week. And I still, you know, had the most fun reading this book out of any of the books because it is fun. You know, it's fun. It reminds you of the TV show. They keep giving little callbacks here and there. I love the little things they throw in like gadget, like, uh, Launchpad holding up a newspaper that shows Gizmo Duck being crowned the best liked hero, with Darkwing Duck just standing next to him with a tiny little ribbon on, you know, on him. All of those yeah. moments just have me hooked on this book. So this was your book of the week. Before we go, let's, we didn't actually say what our books of the week were. So roundtable, real quick, Aaron. Uh, my book of the week was New Avengers. Tim, uh, I did say it, but it was New Avengers too. Yeah, but we're retconning that, so okay. you have to say it again. Jonathan? Well, my book of the week? Avengers Academy, brother. Ah. Mine was Batman Streets of Gotham number 15. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'm going to go with New Avengers on mine, too. Tune in to next week's uh, Indie Spotlight, where Paul and Wayne wax philosophically about Jughead 327. Oh, I'm sure next week we'll find even more indie titles that are actually licensed properties that should in no way be called indie in any way. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, next week's Indie Spotlight will feature uh, Cars, Tomator, number one. (laughs) (laughs) Really? I don't know. No. (laughs) (laughs) Only if you buy it, Jonathan. I would never buy that. I have to listen to enough rednecks. (laughs) Okay, so uh, real quick. Uh, next week, for uh, for your comic book pleasure, um, Green Arrow number three is coming out, as well as um, Time Masters Vanishing Point number two. I'm curious, uh, how many of you guys are on board for uh, Vanishing Point? I am. I'm on board for number two. I'm, I'm on the fence. I'm not sure yet. Yeah, I'll pick up issue two. If issue two is not better than issue one, then I'm done. Uh-huh. Uh, but what actually... What I'm most excited about next week is the conclusion of uh, Prince of Power. Yeah, I'm excited about that as well. That, that, that's got me pretty jazzed. Yeah, it looks like a pretty light week for me next week, uh, but I'm definitely looking forward to Prince of Power. Fantastic Four 380, uh, 582 comes out next week. I'm excited for that. I, You know, there's a part of me that wants to pick up the uh, Namor First Mutant number one. No part of me wants to pick that up. Well, largely because <laughs> I'm really jazzed by that Jay Lee cover. I, that Jay Lee cover looks awesome. I used so to Aaron. read Namor when Jay Lee drew it way back in the day. Mm-hmm. But which no, uh, which part which part of you wants to pick that book up? The reptile brain. 
Now, I do want to say there is Superman Batman number 75 is due out next week. Um, I don't normally pick up the book, but this issue is written by Paul Levitz. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and his last foray into Superman Batman with that annual, yeah. I really enjoyed. So I might actually pick up Superman Batman 75. And it's got a very pretty cover by Frank Quietly. And actually some interior art by Francis Manupol. So, Are you on board for Shadowland Moon Knight number one? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially since, you know, that's my only Moon Knight fix right now. Excited to see that Thanos Imperative number two got a second printing. Comes out next week. Mm-hmm. And Wayne, Ultimate, Ultimate Comics Mystery number two next week. Yeah, I'm looking through the list. I got a lot of stuff coming out next week, actually. All right. Well, you guys uh, go go get, start your paper route so you can afford comics next week. Save up your pennies and nickels. <laughs> <laughs> Good show, guys. Thanks a bunch. Thanks, everybody. See you. Later. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.